Well, let's look at another trait that's part of what it means to have a proven character, a godly character, one that pleases the Lord, one that will be rewarded before the judgment seat of Christ. Talking about those that are saved, God's people need to be characterized by these godly virtues that we're considering. So this morning, we're looking at the the virtue of compassion. And when you think of compassion and you begin to look at the different words that are found in Scripture that are translated as compassion, you actually see that compassion is a combination of several virtues. It includes mercy, kindness, and sympathy, feeling what others feel. All of this is part of compassion, what it means to to have compassionate or to be compassionate. So let's begin our scriptural reading in in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll read verses 8 and 9, where we are commanded to have compassion. In this passage, the word compassion is going to mean sympathy. That is to feel what someone else is feeling. Then we'll see another word in here that's associated with that, to be tenderhearted and courteous. And that has the thought, the the primary thought of being kind. So let's read this exhortation, 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion, sympathy for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So this is what God is commanding of us as, as his children. And if we want to please him, this is something that we should desire the Lord to work in us. Many Christians, because this is our flesh, but many Christians are critical and harsh in their judgment of others and are unsympathetic to their needs and to their suffering. And as I said, this is something that's in all of us. But this is the opposite of what God is calling us to. Many Christians, and this Brother Tom likes to say that I set the plow deep sometimes when I begin to step on some toes and make it very practical, but this is really what it boils down to. There there are many Christians that lack compassion for others. If those that are suffering are, there's a number, if they're of a different political party or if they are of a different religion, they fail to consider that Their suffering is real. Now, yes, we're going to find out a lot of the suffering that people suffer is because of their own choices. But that doesn't mean that we are to be without compassion for them. We need to realize, especially when we talk about those of other religions, whether it be Muslim or Hindu or whatever other religion that you want to mention, that we're not to be harsh and unkind to those. We need to understand that they are blinded by those false teachings and false doctrines. And if we're unsympathetic, well, they deserve what, they're, what they get. They're, they deserve their suffering. If that's our attitude, then do you see how we will not be willing to be an instrument of God to bring them out of that darkness? Whether, again, whether you're talking about politics or religion or any other division that comes among humans with, their, with that flesh that We just don't want to, those that are different than us, those that don't don't agree with us, we don't have to be kind to them. That's not what the Bible teaches. 
We do not want to be in a place where we are unwilling to be God's instrument to lead them in, first of all, to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, and then to bring them into the deeper understanding of the love of God and and the fullness of his provision. May we never have this attitude, well, they probably deserve what they're suffering. That's the opposite of compassion. Or worse yet, I'm glad they're suffering because they make such stupid choices. No, that's not compassion. Now, as always, we need to maintain the biblical balance of these virtues. Otherwise, we're going to corrupt what compassion means. Compassion does not mean a tolerance for sin. We do not give opportunity for them to continue in their sin. That's not what compassion is. In fact, that's the opposite of compassion. Being compassionate gives gives others the opportunity to know truth and to walk in truth. That's what compassion is. We, We don't ignore their sin. We don't tolerate it or their error. But we are compassionate and kind to give them the opportunity to know God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace. Let's go to Luke 6 where we have the supreme example of this. Some may say, well, Brother Doug, you're, you're kind of getting in our business here, and it's none of yours. <laughs> well, you can say that to me, but you better not say it to Jesus. Because in Luke six thirty-five and 36, this is what he, he taught. Luke six thirty-five and 36. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful. This word means to be compassionate, just as your Father also is merciful. If we're going to be godly, that is, God-like, we need to allow this virtue to be developed in us, to be compassionate. Kind, merciful, even to the unthankful, to the evil, to the ungodly. God is clearly compassionate and merciful, and yet he doesn't condone or enable sin, does he? So we can also be compassionate without enabling others to continue in their sin. But this is, this is why these virtues are not natural. In the natural, there are, are people that have a compassion and show a compassion. They're sympathetic. But remember, these godly virtues have as their foundation the will of God. And so our compassion is always on this this desire to bring people into knowing the will of God, to knowing his mercy and his kindness that brings salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus was moved with compassion to those that ultimately turned him over to the Romans to be killed. God had every right. Jesus had every right to... Simply ignore the Jews, Mark six thirty four. but that's not what he did. He knew that they were going to turn him over to be crucified, but he was looking out on this multitude of Jews, and this is what we read about how he responded. Again, knowing the end result of what was going to happen, Mark six thirty four. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. The emphasis of this word is, that he felt their pain because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. 
So that's what compassion did in, in Jesus' ministry. It didn't excuse their sin. It didn't, he didn't tolerate it. He didn't enable it. He didn't encourage it. But he began to teach them that there's something different that God offers. Having been in public ministry for over 45 years now, I have seen a lot of God's people make a lot of foolish choices that have resulted in a lot of pain and suffering for them and for everyone around them. And confession, on more than one occasion, I've had to ask the Lord for forgiveness because I lacked compassion, an attitude of indifference, but they made their choice. And even cynicism. When you've been ministering and around God's people this long, you'll be tempted to those things because you see a lot of God's people make some foolish choices. And it hurts them. And it hurts everybody around them. And yet, God calls me to compassion. Again, not a tolerance of the sin. Certainly not enabling it to continue. But to be willing to be that instrument to point them to the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude 1, verses 20 to 23. Jude, the only chapter. Jude, verses 20 to 23. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's, that's how we start this process. We make sure our own spiritual life is what it ought to be. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's our hope and our expectation. Verse 22. And on some, having compassion, making a distinction, but others, save with fear, that is much caution, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. We, if we're going to be compassionate and show compassion to others, we must first of all be firmly grounded in our own faith. That we ourselves are allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us. We spend time in prayer. We spend time in the Word of God. We spend time together in these kinds of Bible studies. That we let the the Word of God transform our life. That's where we start out. Otherwise, (laughs) you're not going to be able to show compassion to anybody. But as we learn to surrender our will to the will of God, then that that compassion begins to develop in us and, and, and begins to be manifested to others. I believe that we probably see two different groups that are mentioned here. The first one, that we are to have on some, have compassion, making a distinction. I believe this is talking about God's people that are wavering in their faith, are doubting. We need to have compassion. They may make some foolish choices that that bring them harm and suffering, but we need to have compassion and show them a different way. Verse 23, it talks about others we save with fear, that is, with much caution, so we are not associated with their sin. This is probably speaking of unbelievers, but pulling them out of the fire by offering them the message of the grace of God that will save them. We don't associate with them in their sin. We we don't excuse their sin, but we're there to pull them out of the fire. That's compassion, mercy. Give them an opportunity to know the saving grace of God. That divine balance, again, can only be maintained by the Holy Spirit. It's not natural to me. It's not natural to you. But you have within you, I have within me, the, the life of Christ. Luke chapter 10 Here we have 
the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this gives us a good example, a good illustration of how compassion manifests itself in real life. Because we can talk about theory all we want, but we've got to take it out of the laboratory here in the confines of these walls. We, we have to take it out of here and, and use it in real life. Allow the Holy Spirit to cause us to be an instrument of compassion. And here we see how that might look in this particular case, in this parable that Jesus gave, Luke 10 and verses 30 to 37. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and and when he saw him, he had compassion. He felt sympathy. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Jesus said. And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Jesus used this parable to teach this important lesson of what compassion looks like. It has a a number of important elements, this, this parable, to teach us what genuine compassion looks like. First of all, we see the heartlessness of the thieves who selfishly took what was not theirs. And and they beat the man and in the process left him there to die. That's the opposite of compassion. They certainly didn't show compassion. Then we see that the, the priest and the Levite, and in this parable, most likely everyone is a Jew. Jesus was teaching Jews. And so unless he specified that they were of a different ethnicity, they were probably Jews. So the, certainly the priest and the Levite, probably the thieves also. But the Samaritan, he specifically said, this one's different. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. And this adds significance to what compassion is. The victim was probably also Jewish. He was suffering, not due, due to his own fault, obviously, but he was suffering. And his fellow Jews, the priest and the Levite that came by, they, they could have used some religious, pious excuse for not helping him. Because under the law, they could have looked over there and went, well, he's probably dead anyway, and I don't want to defile myself by touching a dead body. Because to, de- to touch a dead body for a priest, even a Levite, was to become unclean. But that was not a justifiable excuse, even if it was their excuse, because the law also had a provision to cleanse yourself of that uncleanliness. So they could have helped him and then gone through the process, the ceremony of being cleansed. We make a lot of excuses sometimes why we are not compassionate to others. They deserve it, or I've got better things to do, or whatever. But there is no excuse for us 
as the children of God. But then we have the Samaritan who came by, and he could have looked and seen that he was a Jew that was hurt. He could have fought, and maybe did. He's a Jew, and if, if the roles were, were reversed, and if I was laying wounded along the side of the road, I know this Jew would not help me. And so why would I help him? Again, isn't that a legitimate process that we go through sometimes? We, we justify things, but he didn't. He simply saw a fellow human being that was hurting. He had sympathy for him. Jesus taught, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If I was laying half dead along the side of the road, I'd want somebody to help me. That's what it means. That's how it works in the real life. And this is what this Samaritan did. He didn't give in to the bigotry. The Jews hated the Samaritans, and therefore the Samaritans hated the Jews. But he showed compassion. His compassion caused him to go over and minister to his needs. Let's go to Lamentation chapter 3 in the Old Testament. Lamentations chapter 3. I'll give you a little time to find it. Not one we go to real often. Lamentations chapter 3. We'll read verses 22 and 23. This will help us be more willing to show compassion to others if we remember this. That God showed us compassion. Jesus showed us compassion when we were his enemies. It's easier to show compassion to others when you remember you don't deserve all that God's given you. And all the suffering that you suffered because of your own foolish choices in life. Some before coming to know Jesus. Some after coming to know Jesus. And yet the triune God has been compassionate to you even when you were suffering because of your own choices. And again, he didn't enable you to continue. He didn't say, oh, that's all right. He didn't tolerate your foolish choices, but he ministered to your suffering in order to bring you back to a place of loving obedience to his will so that you could know his blessing, so that you could know the fullness of all that Christ died to give you. Lamentations 3.22. Through the Lord's mercies, We are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When you remember that God is compassionate to you, it's going to be easier for you to be compassionate even to your enemies, even to those that are different than you, even to those that are suffering because of their own foolishness. You can show them compassion, kindness, feel their pain, not Be glad that they're suffering, but rather desire that they know the grace of God that will bring healing to that suffering. Romans 5, 8, remember this. It's overwhelming. Sometimes those of us that have been saved for so long, I've been saved since I was five years old. We take a lot of things for granted. Sometimes we need to be reminded today I don't deserve anything I have. The Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. The mercy of God. And that's true of all of us. In Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that love includes compassion, mercy, tender heartedness. He demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now as his children, he died for us when we were his enemies. Now as his children, how much more have we experienced the compassion, the mercy, and the tender heartedness of God. Hebrews 4.14. 
How many have had God answer specific petitions in your life? You prayed, and the Lord answered that petition in a way that you didn't anticipate, but he answered your prayer, didn't he? Yeah. Well, guess what? You didn't deserve that. (laughs) Over the years, I've heard some people pray erroneously. Lord, heal this child of yours. They're so faithful. They've done your work. They're so, they've done service for you. That's, that's no way to pray. We pray and ask God according to his grace, his mercy, and his love that he supply what we need. And he does. But we don't deserve any of it. But in Hebrews 4 and verses 14 to 16, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize, cannot have compassion with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's my boldness when I come to the Lord in prayer. It's not based on any brownie points that I've accumulated. But it's based on his mercy and his grace and knowing that he sympathizes. He cares what happens to me. That's, to me, that's so overwhelming. That the infinite God, the almighty God, the all-knowing God, the one who created everything from nothing, cares about what happens to me. Even the smallest things that bother me, he cares. Now, he doesn't say, he doesn't justify all of those things. As many of you know, I have a little OCD, and so there's a lot of things that bother me. And Jesus cares about that. He doesn't say, I'm justified in those. He doesn't encourage that. In fact, he does the opposite because he cares. Doug, this is bothering you, and there's really no need because I've got it under control. This is the truth that will bring peace in your life, in your heart, in your relationships, that you'll be able to show compassion to others. Jesus also gave another illustration of what compassion should look like. We won't read this parable, but he gave the parable of a a servant who owed a master a tremendous amount of money. And the master was going to throw him into debtor's prison, which he had every right to do. But the servant begged and begged and begged for mercy, and the master had compassion on him, Jesus taught. And he forgave him all the debt. Not only did he, he didn't just reduce it, he, he just forgave it. Okay. I forgive you. And then that same servant that had just been forgiven goes to a fellow servant who also owed him a little bit of money and demanded that the other servant pay him. And and that other servant, he, he begged and begged for mercy, just like the first servant did. Begged and begged for mercy, and yet the first servant said no, threw him into prison. Matthew 18, 33 is how Jesus finished up that parable. The master of the servants was not happy with how that played out. And so he said in Matthew eighteen thirty three, Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? So stop and think. What has Jesus had compassion on you for? Been sympathetic to your situation and helped you, ministered to you. You didn't deserve it. And if you didn't, then why do you think your fellow servant, fellow human beings, and even your fellow believers... Why would you think that you shouldn't show compassion to them? Godly compassion will cause us to be willing to be used of God to offer that remedy of God's grace.
to offer the wisdom to make wise choices instead of the foolish ones that bring so much suffering. But without that compassion, you just don't care. You don't bother even to pray for them. I look at some of the things that are going on in our own country and around the world and different leaders here and there, and it's just, how can they be so foolish? How can they reject God's standard so openly, so boldly? And the Holy Spirit has to remind me, pray for them. Don't hate them. They're not your enemy. They're instruments of your enemy. But our battle is a spiritual battle. It's not political. It's not physical. We fight this battle in prayer. Pray for those that God would snatch them out of the fire that they're in. Some in condemnation of that eternal fire of condemnation. Pray for them. Hebrews 13. Sometimes we're even indifferent to the needs and the suffering of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and some not because of foolish choices. Some because they're doing the will of God. And we don't take time to pray for them. Hebrews 13.3. This is why we read here of the need to remember. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. Your fellow believers that are suffering around the world. Again, not because of their own foolish choices, but because they're doing the will of God. But we're not to be indifferent to those needs. We're to pray for one another. That's part of compassion. Sympathize with what they're going through. Romans 12. We'll close with this this morning. We'll use Paul's words here to sum up this godly character trait, this godly virtue of compassion. This is what it means. So again, we're taking it out of just being a theory. But when we leave here, this is how it will manifest itself. Romans 12, 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't be envious when someone else is having such wonderful blessings or good things. Again, that's our flesh sometimes. Well, well, I'm better than they are. I've been more faithful than they have. And what, what are they doing with that blessing? <laughs> no, rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. That's what sympathy is. Be of the same mind toward one another. Want what God wants for you and for them. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Put the flesh aside. Not what you think, not what you want, but what God wants. And he wants us to be compassionate. Let's have a song in closing. Annabelle, if we'll come back. Let's sing 262, Cleanse Me. So part of that cleansing is when we haven't been as compassionate as we should in certain situations. We have this wonderful opportunity to ask the Lord to forgive us. If we've become cynical, we've become indifferent, we can take that to the Lord and he'll cleanse us of that so that we can continue on and be what God wants us to be. So may we sing this as a prayer unto him. Let's stand as we sing.